Alright, welcome back. This is Cinematographologically Speaking. I'm Troy, and we've got... Introduce yourselves, boys. Hey everyone, I'm Steven. I'm Jacob. I'm Joel, a.k.a. Tanner. I'm John. Brody. Epic. And you may have noticed that wonderful intro music. Brand new. We have many thanks to give to Steven for that one. It was a group effort, but Steven was definitely leading the charge there, so thank you, Steven. Thank you, Steven. Uh, yeah. Thank you. All right, so this... Yeah, no, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we watched... The Piano Teacher by Hanukkah. Uh, preliminary thoughts. I well, I loved it. I thought it was absolutely wonderful. Bitch uh, has got problems. True. Yeah, no, I thought it was good. I uh, lots to say about it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked it as well. I, yeah, I, yeah. Jokes aside, I thought it was, I thought it was I thought it was I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was a great movie. Awesome, awesome. Great film. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. This is a great picture. Uh, yeah, great it was a great picture. set of moving yeah, images. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sixty paired with the sound. Sixty truths per second. Sixty <laughs> truths per second. Yeah, or like twenty three point seven or whatever. It's twenty four. Whatever it is. 24 truths Hanu- 23 is TV. Hanukkah has a quote that says, film is 24 lies per second in the service of truth or something like that. Yeah. Um, so base. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> All right, well. Uh, Wait, can I say, I can, te- I can say essentially what I said to you, Troy, when you called me after I finished the movie, which might like frame a more general like sense of what we can talk about. Um, do you know what I'm talking Go about? Ahead. Okay, so my initial impression when watching the movie, um, like up until the, I don't know, as far as my relationship to her, I was worried throughout the film that I wasn't going to have a more like empathetic relationship to her. Like I wasn't actually very um, invested in her emotionally. I just vaguely wanted something to happen like just something to happen in the story to like move her forwards or away from something. And I wasn't, it was just super unclear to me what I wanted that to be because I didn't necessarily like her. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and then Troy pointed out that he was like, uh, he was interested in her and like wanted to understand her. Well, yeah, I was supremely interested in her, but I think the fact that Stephen was saying something like this, the, just the fact that she is this piano master and like clearly demands respect i think from the viewer or at least i felt that way like i had a tremendous respect and interest in her for that alone like her incredible skill and mastery i felt like uh was like you know you 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 very quickly sense that she has a lot of power even though interestingly like the opening scene is a scene in which she seems you know kind of debased or like like kind of humiliated by her mom and like uh this whole situation but I thought she was mm-hmm. just super powerful, and I wanted to, like, you know, I was just super interested in her and, and what was going on and, like, kind of, like, throughout the film trying to better understand 
what's what was going on inside her. But I agree, she's not like exactly likable. Although I think the opening scene definitely endears you to her. Like you just can't mm-hmm. help but feel mm-hmm. bad for her. Yeah, so I was going to mention that. Like he says that he uh John says that he didn't like her. Um, but I immediately felt sympathy yeah. for her from the opening scene. Yeah. Right. I mean, if I can clarify what I mean by like her, I mean, like her in the sense that, like, you normally identify with uh, protagonists in a film, like, or are made to identify with the protagonist in the film. Like, my relationship to her and the way that I saw her was very different than what I'm used to when watching a film is probably more accurate than just saying, like, I didn't like her. Because, yeah, I mean, I agree. The placement of the first scene, like, if it had just gone straight into her being, like, this cold, like, kind of, uh, somewhat controlling, like, demanding respect piano teacher that, like, my view of her would be far less... I mean, yeah, the the placing that scene with the mom in this, like, total vulnerability in this kind of, like, almost childish situation between her and her mom um, framed all of the kind of cold professional... Um, her, like, professional life and um, stance that she takes... <clears throat> And I the think, way she conveys herself much differently. I think the uh, the first scene is perfect uh, because it it certainly makes us root for her ability to you know unrepress herself. Yeah. I think we from from the very first moment it actually gets us invested in her desires uh, in a sympathetic way, um, which is integral to basically the entire like. Her pursuit of her desires are, is basically like, or like uncovering or discovery, pursuit of realizing them, is like a you know huge portion of the movie. Essentially, the whole subject of the, yeah. of the film, um, and the first scene uh, puts us on her side as far as exploring her desires because we have this in the back of our head that through the exploration of her desires, hopefully she can attain something, you know. Uh, something different than this lifestyle with her mother, this like really disgusting relationship, or at least in my mind, it seems disgusting initially, you know? Yeah. The, the first scene it, uh, I'm going to stray a little bit from, from what you guys have said. Like the first scene for me made her more suspect because at the moment I didn't know exactly what was going on. I only had the context of her coming home and her mother being upset with her. Right. With all of us. Uh, so yeah, yeah, you're given this you're given this view of like a very like childish like dynamic or whatever where it's it's the mother and the daughter and um you know it's it's kind of uh infantilizing or or it shows how uh Erica is is really shackled by her mother and isn't able to express her desires and all that uh sort of stuff but like from the get go she's she's uh, you know, irreverent, and she also has, like, a small outburst with her mom where she, like, wraps her hair and is, uh, you know, like, being violent towards her, which, I mean, obviously shows, like, her repressed desires and her, like, flippant nature, um, like, in some ways. But but I, I, I viewed her more suspect in the first scene. I, I wasn't necessarily empathizing with her. I... I mean, I generally agree, although I think I found it much more sympathetic. Um, I'm a big fan, even though it's kind of like cringe YouTube movie analysis here. But like, you know, like the first scene generally like lays out, you know, 
what's going to go on in the book or the movie. Uh, and I agree with Stephen. Like, I think the whole thing is set up quite well here. Cause like, yeah, it, I think you, you initially are like, Oh, this poor girl, you know, kind of getting beat up by your crazy mom, but it is revealed. Like she's like buying these clothes, you know, and like in kind of a infantile way, like clothes she'll never wear. And we see she never wears. So like, Oh, so, Oh, maybe, you know, maybe this is legit. Maybe her mom is the victim here. But then mom continues to like go buck wild on her. But yeah, these and hits her yeah, first. Hits, yeah, hits her first hits multiple first. times before she strikes back. And um, but she does have these like covert desires, which lead to no end. Seemingly, like you know, continually buying, you know, fashionable clothing she'll never wear or she never wears. And you know, these issues with her mom. Um, but yeah, I think it lays the foundations for like this kind of desire. Or like fantasy uh, thing going on. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps, perhaps even taking away the word sympathize, it at least like justifies, or it attempts to justify her pursuit of her desires. Yeah, and does a good job, Brent, like at least explaining why one, like justifying why one would pursue their desires, uh, like erotic desires like this. Yeah, yeah. It definitely makes her feel a little justified, and you're kind of rooting for her to find something else. Mm -hmm. Can we can we talk next about about Walter and just his character? Because I found that, uh, er, like obviously he's very like boyish, you know. He has he still has a very romantic picture, like big R romantic picture of of love, and uh, he's he's very um, like enthusiastic about about her and about music and about you know life. Um, and it like it, it it continues that way up until later when he reads the letter he remains like this uh he, he has like a boyish uh like disposition or he's he's all like giddy um and and in some way like naive where he's pursuing this this like classical image of of romance and then it, it all sort of comes crumbling down once he's confronted with all of these like deep desires of, of Erica. But he, he's, he's also very interesting. Yeah. He's like this really intelligent, super skilled piano player. And I like that he comes off as dishonest the whole time, like some kind of half honesty, half dishonesty. Like you never, I don't know. It's kind of clear from the start that he's interested in her. And mm -hmm. it, he, it seems clear to us that it's clear to both parties that he's interested in her. Uh, yet he like continues right. to pursue the line of like I want to be a better piano player and the music incredible. Yeah. He's got like well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. He's, yeah. he's just like an ultra giga chad. Yeah, he's basically a giga chad. <laughs> and he talks, he even tells her that he knows he's superficial and that he's not displaying his real desires or whatever. But then like I even started questioning that, like when he become when he starts to console the younger piano player, maybe as like a like a ploy to get closer to her or something, but like, and or when he when the figure skaters get off of the ice and he like nice. tells them, like, oh sorry about my boys or you know whatever oh, yeah. he said, yeah, yeah. like he, he's very he's 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 genuine and good and like innocent, but he also has his own repressed desires that that get that get kind of uh, disfigured or whatever, you know ultimately get get used and transformed by by Erica's desires. He seems to be playing some kind of like uh, flirtatious game with life 
and and like he approaches everything as like some kind of flirtatious game with no consequences or something like that if that makes sense like so it's like it's like innocent in a way but it's in a way that's not i mean in, in a really pernicious way yeah, peer-reviewed studies you can say <laughs> i mean seriously i don't know what, I, uh, I don't know what you're talking about i mean i can i can kind of feel it but i don't i i think he's pretty genuine i mean yeah, I, don't, I don't i'm like, not getting he's obviously he, he obviously has his own set of desires but he's you know he's not like crazed like eric is like he seems to be genuinely pursuing this romantic view of love and through his actions towards others and even his you know okay so so maybe i'm not necessarily commenting on the content of his character more as just the implications of of this romantic pursuit in the way that he's pursuing it as being like necessarily shallow and this view of not having consequences or something like that that like he's like no perceived consequences like if that makes sense like it's not it's not necessarily him like uh, uh maliciously doing anything or engaging in something that he sees to be wrong and engaging in any engaging in it anyways yeah like it's just that um so yeah so not not necessarily a comment on his character mm-hmm. so maybe i'm jumping ahead a little bit by saying this but i actually found it like slightly confusing um at the end there when he raped her what, did he, did because he rape her? from my my well, okay. I mean, we can talk about that, but you know, that that yeah, end yeah, scene yeah. there, like his. I, well, that's the whole, yeah, that's I think it's the, meant to be confusing. Yeah, yeah. Go on, sir. So, but you know, because I and maybe I got tricked, but my impression was that he was, uh, at a very well developed and good person, right? And he effectively doesn't have any like major insufficiencies or like anything like this being majorly repressed right and he even shows this by being disgusted when she like reveals and opens up about like what she wants to him to do to her sexually and he like you like you need to get help like i'm not going to touch you right and then but all this like extreme act of violence seems to be spurred from not just that moment even though you would think that he'd be sort of over it but when she threw up right yeah i didn't get why she threw up on his dick and uh like to me like that didn't seem like sufficient justification for how he acted especially since like the entire rest of the movie he seemed so well normal yeah i mean to to maybe to maybe insert in a like a, a normie point is i think i think it's uh, reasonable to assume that he might have been drunk or something. Well, wasn't he embarrassed? Because he was. Yeah. He was masturbating outside of her apartment, looking at her window, and I think I think people saw him. No. And he was like, it was kind of in a flood of embarrassment, and rage. Uh, I'd like to present my grand narrative. Okay. Me I too. see. I think. Well, not I see, because I've got a little evidence. But I think first I'll present the evidence. I've got a quote here. From, you don't see it, dude. It's evidence, uh, not seen. I've got, I got evidence from Hankanka. He says, yeah. Uh, he says, quote, by paring, or no, by paring down his scripts and images, he quote, aims to rape the spectator into autonomy. Um, and then this article finishes off with like a little something to that point, saying, uh, 
Uh, it stakes its claim on the continued vitality of an endangered European tradition. Not classical music, but the art cinema itself. Positing a masochistic spectator who wants to suffer through a film like this one, it makes a bid to turn us into teachers or its transmitters. Um, and Erica muses in the... Oh, that's in the book. She says, art is no consolation. Anyway, I think the guy... I think Walter is a Hanukkah-type character. She is like a masochistic viewer who's like, you know, craving... Craving fantasy that, you know, poses as reality. I see her as injecting Walter with this sick fantasy, sick fantastic desires. And that's what he's so upset about. I don't understand the her throwing up on him and and he seems upset about that but i mean it seems to claim like i I think what he's talking about when he's masturbating outside her window is like he's like look what you've done to me like you've injected me with your sickness and we can look at the scene if you want and he's like you know is this you want to bring other people down you know you want to i don't know i i get the sense that he sort of or she injected him with her fantasy and he hates it yeah and but now like hanukkah like people crave these like films um, and well, he just, you know, this, I'm sort of coming from like, he, he talks a lot about, you know, like um, American barrel down cinema or whatever, but just all these movies where they're trying to make like sickness and violence and terrible things palatable. And like people crave these like fantastical, like some kind of fantasy, but should they, you know, actually come into contact with what they desire, you know, it would be, you know, awful. So I, mm-hmm. I just see like, uh, I mean. I mean, he says, yeah. right, that, that rape scene is, like, emblematic of how he sees himself as a filmmaker. Is like, you know, oh, you crave this? You want something, like, really real and hard and gritty, you know? But but you want it in film. You want it in fantasy. You know, I'll give you something that's hard to look at, you know? And, uh, like, yeah. and that's, I think that's also the only place in the film. John pointed this out. I mean, there's a lot of whatever, visual flourishing. But the 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 imagery changes starkly in that scene. Um we can look at it if we I, want. Do you want me to talk about it? Well, we can look at it too, but yeah, it just changes from... Okay, so so yeah, what happens is he comes to the door. And, okay, yeah, he comes to the door. I think he comes and... in her but <laughs> Oh my god. So he, he comes to the door, and um, when he enters in, he's... Um, I've... I mean, he's he's seeming to attempt to play the part that uh, that she's made for him in her fantasy. Mm-hmm. And the second he hits her and her mother comes in, um, there's two shots. There's a shot and a reverse shot, and they're incredibly wide, and they look extremely theatrical. Like, compared to the rest of the film, there's not another shot I, that is like I this. I have it right here. Okay, here it is. The stream. Yeah, if you're looking at the stream. And, and um, this one. It's great, great for yeah, audio. This. Yeah, great for audio. But um, yeah, so it cuts to this wide shot that places everything in a very flat way that hasn't existed for in the rest of the film. Like this is the first time it's I don't know, it's a pretty extreme like stylistic decision in my eyes. And I think that it's very telling to the I mean, what's happening right now is they're essentially playing out her fantasy. It looks very theatrical. Yeah, and he's decided to engage in this this theater that she has come up with and because of that i mean it sets up it really shows the absurdity of this being considered a fantasy or this being considered uh 
even related to what she might think her fantasy is or something like that. Mm, um, you can see this too. We're just looking at so right. He right. We have the theatrical framing and look right, especially because part of her fantasy is for him to perform for the mother as well, right? Like the mother plays a key mm-hmm, thing, right? Mm-hmm. She wants to be treated a certain way in front of her. So you have this like performing moment. He slaps her, cuts to the mother, cuts back. This is essentially the same shot, but now it's in close because she is disrupting the fantasy saying, get out, you know, off with you. And it seems like conflicting for him, you know, cause she's also said ahead of time, right? Like I'm going to protest. I'm going to, you know, fight back type of thing. Right. So I feel like just, or sort of what John was saying, like, uh, it's, it's cutting back and forth throughout the section between, like, the theatrical and the real and sort of this, like, merging moment. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this merging moment. Right. So yeah. something that is amazing about the way that um, Walter is acting, um, acting as in playing the part as well as just acting in general, he's kind of wavering in and out of... I mean, he seems to be very nervous about trying to play this or unsure about trying to play this part or to not play this part and the thing is is as it continues on and it gets more and more violent and he more and more embodies the part he um this blending uh he crosses over the line from fantasy to reality like very slowly until they're just like inseparable and it's realized and the the reality of the fantasy is fully realized like the fantasy is fully realized and you kind of see it as plainly as it is, which is, I mean, horrible. I mean, like, yeah, she gets she gets um, raped. But th- this is the thing, is that, like, so if I can present why, like, I would say that she definitely got raped, even though essentially what happens is literally what she describes in her fantasy as what she wants, is because what she wants is, um, she wants a fantasy. Like, she doesn't want the reality. Um... Like, the realization of it is to uh, get rid of everything that she actually desires. And that, um, yeah, and that the uh, letter, um, so, so this is something about, like, what kind of, I think, constitutes, like, w- the difference between fantasy and reality is that when she gives Walter the letter, the letter is essentially her controlling him to control her. Like, she still has control over the fantasy. But as soon as she gives control over to him and he actually has control over her and she no longer has autonomy within her own fantasy, um, it suddenly becomes completely undesirable because there's nothing about it that she uh, can manipulate to... uh, she She can't view it from a distance the way that she can if it's, like, her own creation. Yeah, and to support, like... Yeah, the idea that uh, like she actually wants to be in control of the situation is like from the bathroom scene, right? Like clearly she's very controlling on how it wants to be done in that scenario. And I actually thought that with embedded in the letter was going to be like more. She, like she was going to be playing like a more dominant role in the sexual <laughs> fantasies, right? And I was actually surprised when it turns out that she wanted to be extremely submissive. But you're right that that is like that the nature. Uh, everything you said about how once she actually hands over control it's starts to get real bad she wants to be punched in the gut to force her tongue into his anus you know i think everything (laughs) i think everything john said is spot on right she obviously wants control but at the same time she's like very 
sadomasochistic, but it's all like by her own design. You know, whenever she does something to harm herself or, you know, whenever she's engaging in her desire, it's always, it's, she's always in control. Whenever she goes to the, the watches porn or when he, when she jerks him off or, you know, finally when she, when she stabs herself, she's always in control of, uh, of the desire and, uh, yeah, like he's he's obviously just just acting out, like you said, he's he's acting out his part that she that she wrote for him, and uh, you know he's he's been corrupted, but he's also conflicted, and like it, it leaves the viewer kind of confused about whether or not she's actually getting raped, because it is what she it is by her own design, but just by the fact that she isn't in control, uh, like it is effectively like she's being, like she 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 processes it negatively and she she doesn't want it because yeah she doesn't have she doesn't have control over the situation i mean the neck yeah, the mean, neck tells the whole story in this i mean am i the only one who is like you know her neck in the rape scene is like insane well i thought her whole like i mean her whole, her whole the demeanor whole thing the whole insane, thing is yeah, just the whole like... thing is super rape i mean i think she's definitely in rape but i mean it's just not like well, i want to connect it to like the medium or whatever like an audience, yeah, I, think like an audience. I think your meta i think your meta analysis is pretty good like the audience who craves fantasy is not pleased when it when it like sort of the i don't know, like the counterpart to control the way we're talking about it would be like a film stepping outside like the fantastical bounds like mm-hmm. like yeah, the- like hanukkah has talked about schindler's list and how it's just an abomination to make the holocaust palatable and like you know, all, all these scenes in Chandler's List where it's like, you know, the music creeps up and it's intense and they're, you know, oh, it's so exciting. When he turns on the shower, is it going to be, you know, Zyklon B or is it going to be warm water, you know? Like, mm, yeah. in order to create suspense and entertainment out of, like, the Holocaust is, like, gross. And, like, should audiences be faced with, like, you know, whatever, some film that, you know, is true to the Holocaust or what the Holocaust deserves, you know? would not be enjoyed or would it you know something like this well no i mean i well i mean so like i agree with like sort of the meta analysis i guess like i have a little bit of a problem with like hanukkah's idea itself i'm not necessarily convinced by making difficult things palatable is necessarily bad or destructive or harmful or anything like that you don't think it's whack to like, you know, turn some, you know, infinitely horrific event into some like exciting but, moment for your mom to, you know, sit on the edge of her seat. But I mean, would you say then like, like great war novels, like the Iliad or the Odyssey, are those like any, any like old war story, mm-hmm. uh, these have to be subject to the same criticism then where they glorify the hero and make it. Mm-hmm. you know make a fun story out of it all uh, yeah presumably nothing i, mean, I, I, I don't I, go on sorry no I, I just think that it i don't i'm not sure i necessarily agree that it's well, that... a bad thing to do uh but it is certainly like you are making it palatable i do agree with that yeah and there is something odd about it and it's fun to play with that idea um it's yeah. something to say about it's wrong to like make a movie about the holocaust he was talking about how he, there are certain holocaust films he liked it's just that you know, turning it into some type of like fun, manipulated entertainment 
as a, okay. as a, well, as a person. We're in, we're in this movie, the fantasy, you know, the fantasy is turned on its head. It's like the same thing where, like, in Schindler's List, Hanukkah would probably argue, like, the reality is turned then into, like, a fantasy for you to casually engage with. And, like, here, like, the opposite is being done, where, it, I, you know what I mean? It's like the the, the fantasy becomes like a, a horrific reality, but it's still like, you know, it's still a fan, like something, something like that. Um, I think that a lot of what Hanukkah says about manipulation in film. Um, I, I mean, I can't pull up like exact quotes, uh, right now cause they were in like video interviews, but, um, he talks a little bit about, um, like film being, um, like the power of film to manipulate the audience being particularly strong. And that like, I think that the, I mean, the main focus of, I think what Troy is saying, uh, or like one, one important part of it is just the fact that, um, there are so many tools to manipulate the audience in such a way that like, it, it is almost, it is actually difficult not to unintentionally make something violent into entertainment and allow it to be palatable fantasy and sell it as being and have the sentiment be something like this is so horrible you just experienced it or something like that just because it's so it's so easy to do and so like i think here in the piano teacher what he's attempting to do and i mean and also what he does in some of his other films um is uh, create some kind of, uh, I mean, not allow you the, the distance that something that is entertaining in kind of the, the general, I mean, in, in the sense of like, uh, an action movie is entertaining or something like that, like something that give you like a more, uh, real view of, of violence, um, that doesn't allow you the breathing room or distance to be able to enjoy it as in as excess or something like that uh right but but don't we all agree that this was a very enjoyable movie and and like yes and and that this this effect that he's created like that very it, it, like it's um the problem is that people will begin to enjoy something for the gratuity or for the tragedy of it if you make it so real or horrific and clearly that's happened with this movie i mean like there's clearly a horror taking place, but we can all still find it enjoyable. Like I, I don't, I don't necessarily, uh, you know, cause you can turn like any sort of, um, you know, there's just this sadistic drive in, in, in as far as we, insofar as we like crave watching some sadistical, uh, some sadistic moment, right? Um, like, you know, people's interest with live leak and watching people die and things like that. These are all like testaments to it. And, and to portray something that is truly brutal, well, I definitely enjoy the portrayal, and I agree with all the reasons why it's different than um, other things that become commercialized, like maybe like Schindler's List or something, Schindler's List or something, or reduced like, Schind like Schindler's, Schindler's List might be. Um, I don't see that it, it escapes some general criticism, but that just seems tied to what we have interest in watching, because we're, like, to turn the Holocaust into a spectacle, no matter what, it like for whatever the reason it'll it'll be uh kind of gross you know i don't i don't see that he avoids it here 
Yeah, and, but and it to, is like very fun and enjoy, like this movie was enjoyable as a testament to the fact that he cannot avoid it. Yeah, the, to tack on to that, I was just going to say like the Schindler's List like doesn't leave you walking away from the Holocaust as if it's a good thing or like it's an enjoyable thing, obviously, right? And then you could make the argument that it like doesn't make it seem bad enough, but that's more of like an testament to like what it is that people are capable of like handling, like how much tragedy people are capable of handling. And clearly, like, that can be temperamental differences or just um, how much you actually, like, come in contact with it in the same sense of, like, watching, like, a buddy horror film or watching, like, actual live leak videos, right? Well, I don't know. I'm, I, don't, I don't think the thing is, like, oh, you, you know, you can't make an enjoyable movie out of something horrible. Here's my enjoyable movie made out of something horrible. Like, I think it's just about the like the 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 director the the film itself like going out of its way to like manipulate you into like feeling these types of like excited pleasure like i don't know like there's no frills in this movie there's no music that isn't literally exist in the world of the film you know like it's not it do we agree in a sense like it, it seems very Wait, much like a presentation of like well, uh you know that's, matter of fact that's true okay yeah that's true i'm not saying so, I'm not, I'm he's not saying so, you can't make a good movie okay, about the holocaust or you can't make I, you know whatever obviously okay, we like good wanna, movies we enjoy good add, movies okay but i want to add something to what i'm saying um i think that um it's not necessarily that um the film can't be entertaining or something if it's going to pr- portray violence it's that the violence that it portrays needs to be portrayed in a way that is um, moving towards um, that is in the service of like a higher ideal that is not like that is not like violence for violence's sake or something or violence for the manipulation of the audiences for the purpose of manipulating the audience to make them feel like sad and then give them the satisfaction with some kind of like resolute ending or something like that like um like he's not trivializing rape so as to like induce in you a sense of suspense or you know oh i'm so excited you know it's like no he's gonna like show you an extremely well, hard to look at I, rape I, I, uh, and i also think i just want to shout but, out but, but, but there's scenes but, but you can accomplish that even with this manipulation idea that you can have a hard to watch scene and include tragic music in the background and fill the scene like you can do that while manipulating the viewer that yeah. way. And well, clearly, I, I, clearly, we've been manipulated as viewers. Um, you, there's no getting around that. You can't. Yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't, yeah, can't stop. You can't no, stop. I'm not, I'm not saying. Yeah, I'm not saying that there's there's no manipulation going on. It's more about the like the, the way in which the manipulation is done and why it's being done. Like in service of so, what? So like, like if the criticism. Tell me if I get this wrong right so if the criticism is something like you know using rape as a tool to manipulate an audience but like it would be sort of like the idea of it being inserted into a movie but without actually like showing or having the audience understand like how brutal it actually is is it something like that am i on the right track i suppose look i'm not i don't even have a great grip on the idea but i think yeah, it'd be something like that. It'd be like, in, you know, inserting rape as a plot device so as to, like, arouse, you know, try and manipulate the viewer into some kind of emotional state. As so, opposed to, like, here, it's, so, like, you know, rape 
Like, rape is a plot device so as to investigate rape. So, but, like, if, like, rape is capable of being used as a plot device, like, doesn't that indicate that rape is, like, like, we, the audience already understands implicitly, like, how bad it actually is, if it can evoke so much emotion in it, even without betraying its, like, brutality of it, um, like, in its face? Uh, I'm not so sure. I mean, I think you see, like, radical acts of violence in all sorts of media wherein it's taken very lightly. And it's not really serving, like, any sort of investigation about, like, the reality of that violence. Or something well, like this. It's just I mean, like, but oh. if if violence in a movie is being taken lightly, that's because it's like that isn't what the movie is like set out to do. And like, I don't necessarily think that's like a negative thing. Yeah, I'm not okay. I'm just saying. Yeah, I maybe to step that's back. Fine. I'm not trying to make broad claims about what movies should or shouldn't do. I'm saying Hanukkah seems to have a take wherein you know violence shouldn't be presented lightly. Like, violence should be taken seriously if you want a movie about, like, he wants to make movies about whatever, quote-unquote, reality or whatever. I don't, yeah. May I, may I just butt in? Like, you can, I don't know, like, there's a critique of using something like violence or rape as a simplistic plot device in order to elicit an emotional response. But, I mean, like, if you just go, you know, one one level higher, like, obviously, Haninkni is using rape as like a meta plot device right because i mean this was like if symbolic we, something would have been. if we you know if we if we kind of go back to what you might have been saying where she is the viewer and he's you know he's the director giving her this yeah. wild fantasy she wants i mean obviously that is in some sense trivializing rape and and using it not not as a simple plot device to to like advance the story or make you feel bad for her but but as like a like I said, like a meta, a meta plot device to like, to, to, uh, 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 to, to, yeah, to, you, yeah. to insert in some, yeah. some, you know, his feelings about something else. Right. Yeah. But yeah. The, yeah. But the, but a, a transmutation of yeah, rape, <laughs> like into something else. Yeah. But the base, but like the base emotionality is still there. Like just cause it, it also serves as like this meta meta device. Well, it's not also you know, extremely sure. intense and I, tragic, but also, yeah. I mean, it yeah, serves, I mean, but it I, serves as a, but, but as a meta, a meta device, so as to discuss rape slash violence. Well, I mean, perhaps it, it right? would be different. I, mean, I definitely, if it were some, I definitely like, visual felt... metaphor. It'd be different if it were some visual metaphor for like, you know, economics or some, you know, ooh, capitalism bad, right? Like it's about itself. No, no, it, I don't think not, it's just about rape. It's, it's about, not, it's about it's, all it's desire, about the rape. meaning of all desire. I think. Yeah, like sense. I think it's about like, fantasy yeah. and things like this. But I mean, right, but, right, but I'm just go. saying. Yeah. But it's still. I mean, and the trauma of meeting one's desires. Yeah, yeah, but that's not disconnected from like what is going on in the movie. I, I'm just. Well, I'm agreeing with Elsmore's point. I'm just adding to it, saying the point it's serving is still about like um right. It's like a visual metaphor about the the specific visual metaphor. It's not like a visual well, metaphor. Well, to touch on what Brody said, like, obviously you feel really uncomfortable while this rape is happening. And, and even in, like, a normal movie, if someone gets raped in, in like, in, like, Avengers, I'm still going to feel extreme. <laughs> I'm still going to feel extremely uncomfortable, right? But then there's, like, this, you have, you know, you have to go deeper. It's, like, what, what purpose is the rape serving, you know? So, like, I, the whole trivializing uh, something in an effort to just kind of like use it to, you know, 
to elicit an emotional response. I think that that, like, that happens kind of no matter what, right? And uh, I don't know. Like, I still, I still, I still view the use of rape as, in some sense, suspect. Just as the entire, uh, uh, the entire subject matter of of this woman being like a sadomasochist and and you know having all these intense and degenerate sexual desires like that like obviously there's something suspect about using that as the foundation for for your movie and and like i don't think that it's i don't think that it's earnestly exploring these these things even even if it does give an interesting picture of it because if like the point of the movie is like show like real life but like the thing about it is like you cannot be showing all of of real life like in a piece of art right so like if the criticism is like something like terminator like going like gumbo on like a bunch of dudes and they all die and they sort of like sort of comically you know just fall down and it's like oh well this movie isn't exploring like the death of like how like tragic these deaths are (laughs) the tragedy of being killed by yeah right but it's like and it's like it's like well no shit because like this like because like this yeah it's like this like this movie is like an exploration of the hero in the sense that like this movie is an exploration of you know the the tragedy of rape or whatever right it's like depends on like the purpose and the goal of the film can i just say i still think as much as like the meta commentary and the meta points being made matter and are very much uh, part of the purpose of the film the film still seems very much about her and like gives her character the full respect of like uh, a a fully flushed out real person yeah i mean that, that, like it should yeah the character. So I, do, I mean i mean while 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 it's like i mean we can talk about how everything in the film is technically in service of some meta narrative like point or something like that i mean i think that necessarily i mean that's just depends on what you place first as being the priority like because i i mean you could say the exact opposite way i mean something about like the meta narrative point is in service of telling the story of this woman or something like that Yeah. yeah i'm not like necessarily like bashing this film or anything like that like what i'm trying to do is like defend like things that aren't like this effectively and okay. if well, if if Troy is correct in like what in what Hanukkah has to say and I'm like getting the correct conceptualization of this then I kind of disagree well, I wouldn't bet on my you know retelling of you know whatever his ideas I'm not really sure second yeah this could I, be the whole argument I, based yeah, on yeah, 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 maybe we should maybe we should I have a quote for Brody <laughs> a quick response to John quick response to John yeah of course like I think Right, like the, the the primal thing here, or like the you know the, the biggest thing here is just like incredible characters, you know, incredible performances, incredible story. Like whether or not the meta, you know, is exactly right. Like, right, you can watch this movie and, and know nothing about whatever all these like you know ideas and come away like seriously impacted. Second, I have a quote for Brody because you're talking about like of course or just idea of like the. Right? It's not real. It'll always be a movie. Like you're always using some device, and like, anyway. So Hanukkah says, uh, "I do think our perception of reality is fragmentary, and in 20th century literature, it's totally normal to not describe reality as something whole and completely transportable and explicable. That's been accepted in novels, but genre films always pretend that reality is transportable, which means that it is explicable. Just to say, like, you can't show reality or whatever. Like you were I'm just saying, you were saying that exact thing." In, yeah, seeming, uh, yeah. in seeming contrast to what Hanukkah thinks, 
And this is just maybe to push the point that I don't get what Hanukkah thinks. And he clearly states here that, of course, film is not reality. Reality is not transportable or explicable. Yada, yada, yada. Do you guys mind if we move back into the specifics of the film? Yeah, let's move away from the meta commentary. I want to say one quick thing, not, I mean, but about the film. I think the ending is redemptive. I think she has, you know, the fantasy and reality have merged. It's been awful. I don't think she's pleased about it, but I do think she's come away with, you know, Hanukkah's description of autonomy. Like, she's come away with autonomy. She turns away from music. She... I'm not exactly sure about her stabbing herself, but uh, it seems that she comes away with 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 a different kind of autonomy, and uh, mm-hmm. and I think her I think her exiting stage right. This might be spooky, but I think <laughs> exiting stage right is an indication to yeah. Yeah. earlier she talks about Schoenberg. Stage left. She she talks about she talks about Schoenberg <laughs> earlier in the film about how you know this last piece like whatever in in A minor or whatever whatever it was how it was the last piece he wrote before he went completely insane and he knew that he was going insane so it was like the last his last i don't know cry for help or like his last act of of being uh like a not insane person right and then afterwards he just he fell off and and you know nobody cared about him whatever and i i see that similar sort of thing happening where she knows that she is degenerate she knows she's losing her grip, right? And yeah. she slowly loses her grip throughout the film. And then at the very end, she she rejects, like, her reality and, and literally, like, walks away um, to, to, you know, be to wander out into the wilderness like that one singer was singing. He doesn't know why he's out in the wilderness or why he can't engage with his fellow man, but he finds himself alienated. And that exact thing happens to her where, you know, she she talks about how Schoenberg Twilight uh, of the goes mind. insane. Yeah, Twilight of the Mind. She she loses her grip and she decides to just leave it all behind. So that's, you know... Yeah. That's kind of the conclusion of the film. Yeah, yeah, I didn't I didn't draw the the comparison between the, the song lyrics. Or Schumann, she says Schoenberg. She says, he speaks of Schumann's Twilight. It's not the Schumann bereft of reason, but just before that. A fraction before he knows he's losing his mind it torments him but he clings on one last time it's the moment of knowing what it means to lose oneself before being completely abandoned oh and she is abandoned by him i suspect yeah. you're a good teacher okay yeah yeah uh, yeah uh, i didn't realize that it's a good yeah because yeah you know, that's super i think good. she's kind of hoping that he will, that he'll acknowledge her because yeah when when she when when he sees walter when she sees walter there he acts as if it didn't happen and he's yeah. like sort of still like he like is still in the world of fantasy or something like the non-reality yeah. of the situation and she is left in an all too real place or something yeah 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 yeah. like he yeah he is continuing to play the part by by uh treating the reality of the realization of the fantasy as still fantasy and yeah and for her it is no longer fantasy it's been realized and there's mm-hmm. like it's completely empty and bare and bleak and like yeah and so and so this is back to brody when you first brought up the moment where like you this like confrontation where you think that he's gonna she's gonna stab him or whatever or might be going to stab him um and then it's just totally anticlimactic it's because she's left outside 
I mean, you might be expecting some kind of confrontation where he comes up and says something and then she stabs him, but, but he, but it's so, yeah, that moment is so sad when he treats her like that because you realize that she is alone, like left outside this thing and that he like can just continue on or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like kind of the final moment of realizing the full reality of everything that has just happened. Like her fantasy is completely depleted at that point and she's left alone. That's why definitely made him look like a psychopath as well. (laughs) Well, he might just be like, I don't know. Like suppose, suppose, suppose she really wanted it and it went exactly the way she wanted. Although he asks her, is this the way you imagined it? She said, no, but well, I don't know. It does make him look bad for sure. I mean, he looks like, you know, bourgeois, you know, done with you onto the next one, you know, but I don't know. I'm just saying he he could be like, you know, does she want me to acknowledge this? Blah, 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 blah. That's why I didn't think she was going to stab him. Like, I knew that the film was trying to get us to think that she would. And I had that. But like armed with the knowledge of of the conversation about uh, Schumann and the uh, the piano performance with the uh, like the opera singer guy where he's talking about being like left left by the wayside and whatever. Um I, I just more I suspected more that she was just gonna kind of wither away and, and maybe like kill herself uh, because you know the fantasy is it, the jig is up and and she's been totally shut out yeah, really I definitely fun. thought uh, she was going to kill herself yeah. perhaps on display for everybody to see yeah, that was, yeah, for that him was my to see. but uh, I, I do not read an optimistic ending. Um, I read an extreme tragic ending and I don't think she gains the autonomy she wants. And I think even stabbing herself uh, plays into a grotesque fantasy as in, as in she hasn't actually changed. Yeah. Um, Cause why would one stab oneself, especially not even necessarily in a lethal way? Well, it's just to enact this symbolic fantasy she has. Dude, this face, I mean, yeah, this um, face she makes when she stabs herself and, is and, insane. And, and I also, Definite uh, I don't believe there is like uh, an entering into reality at the end. Uh, mm. Yeah, look at that stab; it's Oof. so good. We well, don't think she's gained some yeah. autonomy. She's, I mean, I don't well, know. I like could this no, because she some... cuts her. She she cuts herself earlier in the film. I don't believe that the mm. masochistic drive to stab yourself is gaining autonomy. But the first stabbing, the first cutting was fantastical, like some kind of weird sadistic thing. I don't know. I mean, she. I just think she she walks out. She leaves. She's she's walking well, no, away no, but from she, like the she world leaves that, like, but she's her. she's in the wilderness you know she's completely alienated i'm not saying she's i'm not saying it's a positive ending rather she i mean you know this could be read as some like the curse of autonomy or something like this you know like you know she's definitely not in a good place but i mean it just seems well, like she's, she's leaving still victim to her fantasy and not just fantasy but i think like there is no escape from that uh is like a but that's just well, more like an ideological thing that I, can I commit to. Can I, can I say, I mean, it seems that like the two opposing, I mean, how I, I, I could, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of confused on this point. Like I'm not really committed to either one um, because I have viewed it. I viewed it originally as being very bleak. And then Troy pointed out that it could be like, she's been liberated from, I mean, it's bleak either way. But I, I pointed point out is that, that she leaves to the right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, sure um as well as um that yeah that she's been liberated from her fantasy but yeah i mean the fact that the stabbing doesn't actually i mean yeah it seems 
symbolic or kind of like peak fantasy or something like peak dramatization of the situation i mean i don't know i mean i guess you could read it as being like the final act in like her fantasy or you could read it as um she and then she's liberated and then or you could read it as like she's going to continue on in this fantasy but here's the thing is that even if she is liberated it's still horrible because like she can't live with no fantasy i mean and and the only way in which she's liberated is the fact that she's been liberated from her kind of horrible completely incompatible fantasy and that she can like maybe reconstitute her reality with with something more uh like reasonable or something or like like find new things to desire or something like that but even then um i think it's still that's yeah that's a an extreme task to undertake you know if you're in the middle of your life and you've lost basic you give up everything you've been doing you know like all of your like all of your passions and desires and things like that your fantasy is met fully there's something there's something extremely traumatic and i think that is the true rape uh as cringe or as that sounds yeah you know like it is the fact that it is just like rape in that there is clearly like nowhere left to go like as a rape victim would it's it's definitely and then now they have to reconstitute reality you know it's yeah she's not liberated she just she's condemning her this is the final condemnation you know she hasn't she hasn't given up her sadomasochistic masochistic tendencies i don't know i don't she, i don't think just, hold on and, and i mean leaning back on on the conversation about schumann all that sort of stuff yeah and you know she's been like she's totally been abandoned she stabs herself right and like she doesn't gain any autonomy from that she's just she like she's just playing out another fantasy she's just condemning herself to to keep to keep these these uh these like deranged fantasies going you know and she and she excommunicates herself from her life. You know, it's it's uh, it's over for her. Yeah, I I read the ending as actually like almost a little bit. This is gonna sound terrible, but it's almost like a little bit like pathetic on her end because I sort of imagined the scenario, right, where like she wants to go up on stage and then like kill herself out in front of everybody, right? And I was gonna show it to her mother and I was gonna show it to Walter. It's like this will show you like. Mm-hmm look how tragic everything is like look at what you've driven me to right or if maybe this fantasy was to kill walter in front of everybody in both scenarios for killing walter and for killing herself she like totally just like flopped she just didn't do it at all right no she does it and like and like she didn't kill herself that's what i was gonna say is that she does it alone and what's interesting i was thinking about the like razor blade scene with the bathtub and it seems that um, going back to what I was saying before about her having control over her fantasy, uh, it seems that like the masochism, um, like her cutting herself is an act of autonomy or some kind of like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's some kind of twisted act of autonomy that, 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 um, it's some kind of act of control. Over. But however, like, but she like, like, you know, like you said, like, you know, the whole like staging thing and like the act of like performance. Right. So you can sort of imagine the scenario like she's going to be on stage here shortly that like she does this thing like enacting her fantasy like in front of an audience. But she does this like without anybody seeing like she does this like completely alone. So I don't know. I I think it's something because I think Stephen's point is right about the inescapability of fantasy. 
And like, if anything, she's leaving behind this one for a new one. I just think she's leaving behind this one. That's whether I whether the knife point that. whether the knife point be a turning point or. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't see. I don't see. Herself. I don't see the stabbing as serving into this like the fantasy we. I mean, it's fantastical, but I, I'm saying it's just distinct from the previous, like sadomasochistic sexual fantasies, and uh, I don't, something else. You know, and I think it is relevant that she does it with no one seeing, contrary yeah, to what yeah, contrary to what we expected, and also. Maybe this is like too minor a little plot thing, but Walter's last words are, you know, I'm excited to see hear you play. And uh and he's not gonna hear her play. You know. I don't mm. know because I don't know if she planned this or was she planning, you know, whatever, but you know, in some sense she's also like denying him some kind of continued fantasy, like the fantasy of art or something. Uh, well also um. just the fantasy of that what just happened was fantasy. Mm. You, you know, like, because yeah. I mean, to, to buy into the fantasy, um, and like to, to, yeah, to acknowledge that her fantasy is still continuing would be to act as though it didn't happen or as if it was not rape. Um, and then, yeah, I was going to say before, when I brought up the razor blade bathtub, uh, I mean, I was going to say that she was alone and like that this is that's i mean essentially I mean, close to the same thing like um i mean it's an act of autonomy with that's not performative to an audience yeah i don't know if we're on the same page here but i mean like i still think that it, this is like the nail in the coffin for her and that she isn't turning away the knife isn't a turning point it's just the final uh she like succumbing to her desires and also she stabs herself in the chest Kind of almost not not in the heart, but like yeah, kind enough. of yeah, kind of in a point like she stabs herself in the heart, and like that has something to say about about desire, you know. And I don't know, like just with the full context of of the film, I don't think that this is supposed to be redemptive or a sign that she is going to uh, fix her ways in some sense. I think this is just like she's just giving herself up to her her dark fantasies and and she's basically you know she's not committing suicide maybe but she's like ending her life and and just extricating herself from the real world this is this is the opposite this is this is the injection of fantasy into the very real world i mean she's there she's not hiding in a bathroom she's not you know whatever whatever i don't know i see this as just being alongside the rape as like some kind of synthesis between like the terrible nature newly revealed terrible nature of fantasy and reality and her turning away i mean she literally turns away from this world yeah she turns she turns away from from maybe this like dissonant world right but she leans she leans fully into her desires right and her going outside is not saying that she's going to now enter the real into reality right and like maybe uh correct her her dissonance in a in a healthy way but like it's literally saying that she's just she is no longer like a a member of society exactly what what the schumann thing was saying exactly what the the song the opera song was saying i think that i think that they wouldn't be inconsistent you know i think that she's literally just giving herself up to to these uh these desires yeah i don't know what not showing up to the concert 
how that will affect her um, like pursuit towards mastery in piano teaching. Um, I figure it's over. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. All right. So, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that. Um, I mean, just an an interesting layer to add to the confusion is that she's filling in for a student who she uh, hurt for very <laughs> interesting reasons. Yeah, it was so gnarly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was just some kind of sexual signaling to Walter, because Walter's like getting close to this other girl, being nice to her, and Walter also thinks he uh, Walter's like filling in as teacher. Yeah, and yeah. immediately after they they engage in a sexual act, and so Wal- he, he gets Wal- the message. Yeah, Walter gets the message, but yeah, like or, or yeah, he he tries to fill in as some kind of teacher control role, and he reminds or and she's like, nah, you know. You want to be in control? I don't think so. That skip when he leaves the bathroom is so awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, and that, that makes so me want to. That makes me want to return to his like boyish nature because early on in the film, I mean, I'm gonna uh, probably gonna butcher, but you know, I guess I'll just insert the meme of like some Freudian terms or whatever. God, but it is kind of it's more complicated than just assigning like a fucking uh, like a psychological role to each of the characters, you know. Because, like, I think that you couldn't just simply call, like, the mom the ego and, like, her, like, some sort of super ego early in the film. Super Mom would be super ego. It makes, it makes you her, sound really cool, though. And, well, no, she, the mom would be ego because she's the one who's deliberating. She's the arbiter between him and her. But anyway, yeah, and, like, he, he's I'm kind of, sure. he's, he's kind of. Yeah, yeah. I'll, All right. Just, just a little, Who's ego? This is just a little, <laughs> you know. Let's spend the next hour trying yeah. to like. Put you know, I just want to. I just want to get this. I just want to get this spiel. I just want to get this spiel out of the way, and then maybe we can move on. But like, you know, he's obviously very boyish early on when he's not corrupted by her desires. So like. Super gang. So I mean, he could be. You know, it or something, right? No, but then, on, like, the, the roles kind of switch when when he becomes the rapist, you know, um, and and like she becomes kind of defenseless and like kind of just subject to her own desires. Like, I think that their roles, that you know, their roles switch obviously when he he is no longer like the boy and he he becomes the one who's in control. Um. But that's just kind of like you know you can you can clearly see that happening on screen. Yeah, she's created him, and he has destroyed her in the same way. Like they talk about, like the mom warns her about teaching pupils that will like to be better than her. You know, mm-hmm. you guys remember this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, it's kind of like that, right? She injects him with this fantasy, and he eventually succumbs to it. Uh, and in his succumbing you know, destroys her as, like, the person in control or the person who want like, he destroys the fantasy. Uh, anyway, I'm just tying those two things together. Um, I, I think that with the little girl, um, there's a scene right after the whole bathroom scene with her mother, and there's one line that like really struck me where she says um who's responsible no 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 the mother okay yeah that too the hand chopping off the hands thing that i was gonna say who 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 worked so hard is that what you're gonna say sorry yeah 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 yeah, yeah. she says she says we sacrificed everything 
and mm-hmm. then Erica says she sacrificed. She says like she corrects her and says no, she sacrificed everything. And and then the mom like concedes it or whatever. But like her correction of that, um, I mean it's interesting because like she she does this horrible thing to this kid, but she obviously identifies with the child and the mom's um, relationship, and that mm-hmm. and um, I'm even though she still like did that to her. I mean, I just, I saw that as, like, a revealing moment in her kind of, uh, uh, psychological, like, her relationship with her, her own mother. Uh, I have a, do you, any of you know, like, what the symbolic, like, meaning is behind, um, like, the glass breaking? Because I know it's something that they do, like, for Jewish marriages glass, or something which, like that. Which glass breaks? Are you guys familiar? When she, when she. You're talking about breaks. when she steps on the glass. Yeah, yeah that's oh, something that they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe it's a Mazel Tov. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, but it, I don't know what Mazel Tov means. No, it's, it's like just a people say it's it. just a way to it's... break glass without like getting glass everywhere. Sure, but if we wanted to really dig deep in this, it is kind of like just like the consummation of their sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, like in a way, it's like the beginning of this this like marriage oh, of yes. desire. Uh, yes, yes. I think that's yeah. That's interesting. Good. But so, I think what you said, uh, John, was correct that that the her desire, her relationship with her mother, and and this like proxy relationship with this the pupil and her mother, it's like, you know, they're they're we're supposed to see them as parallel. And maybe she's trying to save, you know, her younger self from her current life. Like if she mm. destroys her hand, then maybe she won't end up like her because she sees her mom as like her mom. Very so, true. Or What's I also was thinking it might be some like you know, who's the Karate Kid teacher guy? Like some kind of you know, uh, she's oh, just yeah, gonna you know she's gonna like pre- present her with some obstacles. So uh, like apprentice, you know, like oh I'm gonna be really hard on my apprentice so as to you know make him stronger, tougher, whatever. Um, that's actually kind of interesting. That. Like the the like by injuring her hand or whatever. Like maybe she's like saving her from something with her mother. What's interesting about that is that it's almost like uh, some kind of self-harm by proxy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Very true. So, so what's the deal with sex and peeing? Because both times... Oh, yeah. Encounter, I forgot about that. Dude, so that time... Wait, what's the first she time? She absolutely unloads... She pees a lot, which is kind of nuts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 where's Dude, the... She... Wait, wait, wait. I only know, I'm only thinking I the car time. Back. Dude, she absolutely unloads, like, yeah. outside of the car. Yeah, I'm only... But then she the also, car. like, right before they have that sexual encounter, right? Earlier, earlier. Where is yeah. the car? I think earlier? it's just supposed to show how, like, degenerate it is. Like, there's a... The sexual... There's a connection between the sexual and, like, this disgusting bodily function. Yeah, she wants to be pissed on in her letter. Oh, here it is. <laughs> this was pretty wild. Dude, I couldn't get over when she was sniffing the cum tissue. Yeah, yeah that was like just like gross. Like, something about, like, she's just trying to, like, and she's not even... I don't know. I might be being influenced by something I read, but it doesn't. It doesn't seem like right. She's not masturbating. She's not. Same thing with the ping thing, right? She's not. Like pleasuring herself to it, she yeah. is just trying to like get close to it. 
and she also like never voluntarily uh like had the penis enter the vagina you know yeah we never well. yeah we never see her experience pleasure at all right but yeah like she's just trying to like harness the vibe or something like you know gosh like just imagine all the air you're breathing is just come and like you're watching yeah. something and like the look she has on her face like she's just trying to study it you know yeah am i alone oh. in this yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah right yeah. like i didn't i never got a sexual i mean obviously a sexual vibe but like i never got like any kind of indication of pleasure rather she's like trying to understand or get close to it like look at this yes okay wait like it's can just I something something perverse going on inside at, can i use this as an opportunity to talk about um like her childishness and how like here okay so here it's like first uh kind of peaked at um in relation to um her sexual desires then in the letter reading scene something about the way um i saw her and her uh posture the way she's kind of reacting to him reading her fantasy and her kind of like living in it um as he reads it is so childish and so she seems just like a little girl and mm -hmm. she suddenly seems extremely vulnerable like her whole uh persona that she enacts as a piano teacher just dissolves and you kind of see her, uh something that's that's what's underneath it as some kind of much more infantile core um that constitutes uh everything else she does yeah, yeah i mean she wants to teach him to dominate her well that's this i i actually noted down the letter reading scene as when they kind of switch places right because before he's very childish um and she she maintains this like mature mm -hmm. um uh shell right but then in this scene when he when he confronts her her desires uh th they totally switch roles and she becomes childish and he becomes he's very like fatherly looking here yeah and sh and sh and like he's in like her mother's house and like that's probably like maybe the first time he um he comes in contact with this right like she's not on her own yeah and some kind of alignment with like the like living in fantasy as being childish Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say though, uh, Elsmore, like uh, you've repeated this a couple times, just like with him being remaining mature. I don't think I saw him, his reaction as being, like necessarily mature. I mean, it might be reasonable or understandable, but I didn't see his, um, his reaction to the letter. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see it as being like, like understanding, you know, like he's still pursuing, he's, yeah. he's pursuing like a version of her that mm. then is broken. And then he's still, yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't then switch his, um, I mean, mm. like the, the truly like mature thing or something like that, like in my view mm -hmm. while watching it would be to come at it from a place of understanding rather than like condemning, like he doesn't. Okay. Move yeah, from it his seems position. like he responds yeah. intuitively. I, I'm just in like, more oh, in gross. like, I'm in more in the frame of like my lay Freudian analysis where before he's very id and just kind of pursuing his whatever kind of desire he has. He's going and playing hockey. He's like, he talks about how much he wants to kiss her. He's like very unrestrained and she's like the, she's like the stoic piano teacher. And then in this scene from here on out, it changes where she's the one who, who is putting all her desires on display. And he's the one who's trying to maintain this, like this rigid, like moral, appearance that well 
so actually like so the letter is uh very like restrictive right so she wants to be restricted right and then she also like wants it to be done only in a very specific way right while he's sort of like a go with the flow kind of person so in in that like level of analysis like maybe there's a power dynamic shift but in the level of analysis between like who is the restrictive one and who is the one who is just like you know the id just going with the flow i don't see a change there I, I saw there being there being a, a role swap. Um, yeah, so I swap I don't exactly necessarily disagree wants. with like a role swap, but not on the level that like a psychological level. Did. Like it's more on a th- it's on the theatrical level. It's on the terms of the fantasy. Yeah, her whole fantasy is for a role swap to occur. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very true. Did we not think you guys any sort sorry. of role swap um, in the uh, the ice rink scene when they go to the to the room and she throws up on him was there no yeah no because she's she's throwing herself at him and he's talking about how disgusting she is how she smells bad how she's not clean you know yeah, how she's like it. morally unclean true he is this sick. scene was some sort of turning point for me like i yeah she feels she, bad she's so unlike herself here and i thought she was trying to appeal to him um in a way totally different than she was before oh yeah yeah, yeah, like she's trying to play into his, yeah, uh, his desire as yeah, opposed she's like, to. I love you, I love hers. you, I love you. Yeah. Or, 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 I think, I think that's what she said. Yeah, yeah, yeah like and she tries to... to get all normal, touchy. Like she yeah. doesn't, she's not Forgive like tiny me. on the ground or whatever, you know. No, I, I disagree with that because during the letter writing scene, she talks about, "I'll wear anything you want, I'll be anything for you." So I think that is where she, she's not, she's not doing what he wants. She's just her, she's just totally unshackled to, to put her desires on display. And I think that's when they kind of swap roles. Yeah, and I think they're I, they're pretty consistent okay. from that on out. So, so, so I might agree, but I still view this as her. I mean, this is like a failed attempt at her to try to to please him without him buying d- directly into her fantasy or something like that. Because he's clearly not bought into the fantasy, and anything that he, when he's saying things that are degrading to her he doesn't seem to be playing a role at all like he's just genuinely disgusted like when she throws up yeah no i'm not, I'm not saying that he's playing a role i'm saying that they have a role swap not that it's not that they're either of them are conscious of this just that where she was the rigid one who was maintaining values shaming the boy for going to the porn store and looking at porn and like shaming him for wanting to be so upfront with his desires where he was the one trying to you know get in as get in as much as he could now now they have swapped since the letter writing sweep scene and he's the one who's trying to who's trying to uphold these moral values and she's the one who's throwing all her desires at that's what i mean are you guys seeing this yeah yeah she's so eager to please him she just wants him back i does anyone have any ideas on why she throws up like is it that she can't stomach like vanilla reality or something i I, I thought that he was uh, putting it in her mouth. Yeah. 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 No, that's, Why would she And she just gagged. What do you mean? Oh, you think she, she just, just gagged? something big in her mouth and you gag and you puke. Yeah. That I don't is, know I if think it's it a little generic to say like, yeah. uh, like it's symbolic of she is now n- so out of control. She, this is not the fantasy she was envisioning and so she's kind of sick of it in a way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why yeah. I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's, 
I don't know. Sometimes you I think it communicates extreme inexperience on her end. Maybe, and yeah. like how she's actually not capable of doing this because of her lack yeah, of Yeah, because uh, in the uh, in the porn store, in the porn store, uh like dude, there's some like serious deep throating action going on. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Some professional levels of work. Yeah. <laughs> uh and then so I'd imagine that, you know, mm. to go on through the experience. And she's right? trying to study the porno, you know. <laughs> this this yeah, this is like an attempt to replicate what it is that she studied. And she she can't do it. This is just like the rape. Then she you know, she she, or at least like if this is if this is what you're saying, which I think sounds good, you know, it wasn't what she thought it would be. She couldn't do what she thought she could do. She couldn't handle what she thought she could handle, et cetera. Yeah, right. and the, and then the porno is obviously like the the fantasy. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the the but the true rape, like this isn't this isn't a rape because like in the same sense, uh, because like. It 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 all it doesn't like actually shatter her fantasies. No. It it really it really does not shatter fantasy the same way that the rape does oh, yeah, not itself. Because because like the rape um like actually fulfilled everything. Unlike this, this she's inept and unable to like the rape in this case would be like if uh, she's deep throating and it occurs, but somehow she exits this scene so she doesn't vomit. And yet she still leaves the scene feeling absolutely used and tiny and like the world around her is done. Mm-hmm. It's over. But but instead she's actually saved by her physical inability to do yeah. it because it allows the fantasy to persist. Yeah, it's not total. Um, yeah, that's good. It, that's good. And when it truly occurs, that's when it's actually a rape. Right. Yes, it's the full yes. satisfaction of the design. Right. Yeah, this isn't total collapse. Can I just say total right. synthesis. she says, I'm clean like a baby. It's so yeah. sad. Oh, yeah. There, yeah. I'm clean now. Yeah, I'm clean now. And then she says, look like a baby. And it's mm-hmm. something is so horribly sad. Oh, and she's like spitting saliva like a baby. I think this whole scene is sad. It's oh, like, yeah. yeah no, dude. No, it's so, so, and no, it's like, only, this is like an eight, this is like a nine minute tracking shot too. Because the camera never breaks from when she arrives at the hockey rink. So it starts the shot. Oh, yeah. Not to mention the scene of whatever her like yeah, trying we'll, to like have sex with her mom. We'll, we'll get there. We'll next. But yeah, 144 to... I mean, yeah, this is like a 10-minute... It's a 10-minute shot. How incredible. But yeah, no, it's so <laughs> sad. But yeah, the... Or just... Sorry, just point out the shot. Most of the shots are static. And then it's punctuated by these, you know, particularly intense moments where you have these very long takes and a very fluid camera in space. um, Like the rape scene. Like that scene. I'm trying to think of what else. Rarely Wait. does the camera move around. I don't know. Um. So just to the point of like where he breaks form um because i mean i think the whole film as far as like form is uh definitely an exercise in restriction um yeah and like using using uh the edits and and framing like when it's different um as like for saving it for very special moments to punctuate and back to what we were talking before with where we cut to these very theatrical shots um, right before the rape um, or as it's beginning or whatever, that is probably the fastest edit. And it's the only time there's a shot reverse shot like that. Yeah. But yeah, the, the editing picks up, which makes you aware of the also adds to the being aware of like the uh the fantasy of it or something or like it brings attention to itself as being a movie and mm-hmm. and i think i think 
Um, I mean, I don't want to get back into discussing the meta implications of like the manipulation or making you aware it's a film or all this. But yeah, it makes you aware of the film to make kind of like some kind of final point about the the um, I mean, yeah, it's a collapsing of, of your kind of meta experience of the film with what is literally happening. And that mirrors the collapsing of the fantasy into the real. If that makes sense. I think it makes sense. It is the only time in my mind where it draws attention to itself as being a film. And it's surprising that those long shots, although you definitely feel them, I mean, like the hockey scene just goes on forever, but it's so intense, so good, whatever. But it doesn't, I don't know. I didn't notice, I don't think I really noticed in my first viewing that it was such a long shot. No, not, I didn't notice either until, I mean, I watched that interview, which I assume is the one that pointed out to you. Uh, or unless you watched it the second time and that's when you noticed it. But, but like he talks about it being like a long take or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and that's when I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even, I didn't even notice. But I mean, I don't know, as far as like the purpose of it to be, or one of the, the, uh, one of the things that happens because of it is like this kind of level of investment and anxiety that you don't get from a bunch of cuts. Just kind of like real time just noting he's saying i'm willing to learn to play professor uh, uh during the rape scene before you know he actually rapes her but you know he's like trying to say you know you know make this easier on me right like i'm trying to play the role you wanted me to play you know blah 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 anyway but he's saying i'm willing to learn to play and using play within the reference of or within the framing of this like sexual fantasy and then his last yeah. line is i'm excited to hear you play uh, mm-hmm. which uh, she denies him so I think that's just another reason to think that she turns away from this world of fantasy not fantasy but this fantasy or this type of you know sexual fantasy blah 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 blah. turns away from art right. turns away from play I, I agree that it's a turn away from this fantasy um, but the problem is is now you know the problem yeah, and it's like one. perhaps even a worse existence is to have to now to be without a fantasy or at least without one that you can articulate uh one that you have to now like manufacture yeah so it's like so and that's why it's such a trauma yeah so she does still exist in the fantasy but now it's like an unknown fantasy and it's like it's all it's like maybe the worst like experience you can be mm-hmm. um, can we maybe uh on this on this topic of willing to learn to play um during their first piano lesson where she's teaching him uh, he's playing some like Schubert or something, and he she talks about how she he doesn't understand uh, like certain flares or whatever. Like he's he doesn't have like the uh, I don't know the right mindset, and I think that might ultimately be related to uh, their relationship and and like the roles that they're playing is that he doesn't understand like you know I don't know I don't remember what she specifically said but. She implies that Schubert was ugly, and I, I I didn't know what to make of that, but like that Schubert's ugly, and he he could never understand that sort of um world, I guess. I don't know. Oh yeah, she says something like, uh, "You you could have like any girl with those good looks or something to him at some point, right?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. She says she says something like that to him. Yeah. Um. Can we talk about, unless Amy has anything else to say on that topic? Might be the second lesson. Could we talk about, like, when she kind of 
declares her love for her mother or whatever, like romantic love, and like comes on to her. Yeah. Quick note mm-hmm. though, in that first lesson, she demands he play, and he walks out. Yeah, and then I think in this, it might be in the second lesson where she, yeah, right here. Keep talking though, Nolan. What's your point? Out? Uh, so like as far as the like the mother scene, like the the incestuous yeah bit, I don't know like. I, it was difficult for me to know what to make of it. Like, my coming away thoughts are essentially, like, it was an act of, like, extreme, desperate, like, Sk- desire for it to be fulfilled. Schizo. Because, clearly, uh, she just got denied. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, Freudian mode, of course, with the whole situation. Because she sort of serves as, like, the overbearing mother, definitely. Um, and then also... Uh, I found it really odd how at the end of it, like she makes a comment about how she needs to get rest for her recital. You know, the way that she sort of like played it off, you know, was uh, really st- stood out to me. Okay. I, I'm just, uh, I love what you said, Brody, but just read the dialogue again on this piano scene. Uh she claims that Schubert is about scream to whisper, not loud to soft, and also that uh, he doesn't understand anarchy. So she's, you know, she's obviously talking about like the anarchy of her, of her of her sexual desires, and I mean, scream to whisper, that kind of I mean, obviously ties in as well. Uh, just to, like another footnote, and like their her trying to transfigure him, I guess. I imagine that's that's something of a projection of hers, though. No, like, uh, like I don't think that she understands anarchy at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's, yeah, she's an extremely controlled life. Yeah, she lives an extremely controlled life, right? Um, and she, her deepest desire is to understand anarchy in that sense, you know, or at least to, she, or rather, it's not even a desire, but in some sense, like when she's lost everything after the rape and the trauma, it's as if she's like in a state of, I don't know, like uh intense um i don't know aimlessness something akin to anarchy something like that wait, wait, wait. so so um with uh no what was i gonna say i was gonna say that she um oh yeah so her relationship to schubert and like the anarchy or whatever is similar to her relationship like she can understand the anarchy through the music if that makes sense. So it's through some kind of uh, uh, proxy or, or like... Um, well, it's just music as far right, as you know. Right, the same, but only it only grants the same understanding that watching porn grants of sex. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's not, right, it's yeah, not, sure, yeah. it's, it's a representation of anarchy that is not like, I mean, yeah, it's it's a narrativization of, the, of anarchy that she understands and she, um, in that moment, she reveals that she sees that as being understanding anarchy or something right which mm-hmm. like right. is telling to how she interacts with her fantasy as seeing it as real already or something yeah it must have been crushing too then in the end like the whole rape and fantasy reality synthesis like some some type of realization or belief that she doesn't understand music either like not only does she not understand herself her desires her interests 
but the music as well. Like maybe like the mm. just one more thing. Like mm. she walks away from fantasy. She walks away from the music, which is just right art fantasy. Um, mm. I mean, yeah, just to reinforce that point, like that must be similarly crushing. Like she 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 loses music as well. Mm-hmm. Like I don't understand anything about what these people are going through, and she doesn't write her own music. She doesn't. Mm. She's not an artist. She speaks very matter of factly about uh, music. Yeah. Well, like, like that's a quote from the. Anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Does anybody here play piano? I wish I'm about to pick it up because of this. <laughs> I used to play, but I stopped when I was younger. Just Steven's seems a real like a very keyboardist, proper, uh, precise instrument. Yeah. Yeah, I love the hand. I loved the piano in the movie. I think I got pretty choked up on some of those scenes. I, I forget which one it is, but there's a particularly intense scene that's followed up by like a hard cut to just some seem like thematically matching piano. And I thought you it was about earlier in the movie when she goes to the porn store for the first time. No, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's maybe. the first time. I think it's the she goes to the second time when she ends up finding the boy and she's like in the crowd of people walking through the mall. What about her gloves? Oh, the gloves! <laughs> the gloves good. were so awesome. So she have nice leather gloves. And that and the and that one time when she puts them on, it's like super dramatic. They, she really snaps them on. She goes, <laughs> you know, and, it, and you can hear it, and it's pretty cool. And there is something about the fact that she needs to protect her hands as a pianist, you know, so it's important. Yeah, when she's um, getting hit, she says, but, "Not my face or my hands." Right, yeah. and uh, and also there's the clear there's a clear sense that you know that the sense of protection that the gloves provide, or like. I don't know, like barrier between the world. I don't know. There's something about mm-hmm. that, a controlled environment. Mm-hmm. Hold up, hold up. Her dad dies. Yeah. When does her dad die? That's that's significant. Her dad died when this she... afternoon. Yeah, no, no, no. yeah, yeah. But like, I was watching this game after kissing. she's at the movie theater. Yeah. Pee. Mm-hmm. Something. All this urine. Wait, when's the second time she pees? It's uh after the glass in the pocket incidents. And then it was, well, she's it was in the, yeah, she's on the toilet. And it was yeah. right before it was right before she has a sexual encounter with Walter. Oh yeah, she unloads. She yeah, and, and he jumps up. He jumps up and peeps on her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He jump. He jumps up and peeps on her while she's peeing. Yeah. I was so confused at that moment because I thought he was coming up to be like, "Why'd you do it?" Yeah, or yeah, yeah, like yeah, this. Yeah. Unfortunately, I knew from the the movie poster that that was when things. Yeah, didn't go down. unfortunately, same. That's one of those things. I don't. I same thing with the piece, or kind of same idea. Like, do, who Hanukkah. controls? Who controls the movie yeah. poster? Like, does Hanukkah want that to be on the cover? Because you know that might totally ruin I, I, the I like expectations like going into that event. I mean, he must have had some. I don't know. I feel like it could just be some marketing crew. You know. I think that yeah, the because it's um a piece of marketing. I would almost guarantee it's like a production. Uh, um, primarily a producer's um, choice and not okay. and it's a business choice not a artistic one yeah I'm sure he like I mean he gets it that's part of the deal so he's like alright you know you guys got it but like uh, it, it totally manipulates the expectations and it's like as soon as we meet that guy we kind of know we recall that yeah. cover photo and we're like okay here's the guy you know <laughs> The the producer shows up and, and gives Hanukkah three options. One is an image of her being raped. <laughs> another another is an image of her pulling out a box filled with like toys of say you know sadomasochistic toys. 
And then the third end is this. <laughs> and you're just like, all right, fine, I guess. Yeah. I guess we'll do that. Anyway, that really bugs me out. Like, uh, seems like it's it's encroaching on the film, and I'm not. I'm pretty confident that if it makes you feel any better, Troy, I didn't even look at the Dude, so, uh, cover, so, so I was completely caught off guard. See, that is surprised by that extremely based. Same for me. I, so you could live vicariously through us. I need. I've been getting really good lately. I've always been harping on, you know, don't read synopses, but lately I've been getting really good at just averting my eyes and really not looking at anything. But the problem is, like, I only I can only really do it when I already trust the movie. Like, I'll, I've been watching the Hanukkah movies or whatever, and I already know it's gonna be, you know, I got nothing to worry about. Yeah, you're not gonna put in Ant Man. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, the Ant Man poster ruined the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, Unironically, those posters may be less spoiling than this one. It's just like a bunch yeah, of bright no, colors and some like you know like face. It's face, like face, it's like this like pyramid, right? Yeah, it's like yeah, this yeah, like yeah. pyramid of like heads, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. With like a bunch of like crap going on behind yeah, them. Forms you know, a. like yeah, and like the main character is like on the top. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know what you're talking about. It's like a yeah, total like, like Marvel Wars movie convention. The... Yeah, Star oh, Wars. Oh, I yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot like, of posters yeah. that that yeah, yeah. that do faces that sort of, like, against theme. some cosmic backdrop and some like a lot of colors, a lot of orange yeah. and blue. Yeah. And every actor. I mean, the, every yeah, every yeah, the only yeah. thing that it gives away is that the guy, like, very mysteriously in the background is clearly the bad guy, where he's, like... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, like, he's, like, not fully opaque like everyone else. Like, he's just kind of, and he like... And he's a top hat and a monocle and the uh, evil yeah, ring. He's, like, he's yeah, like, he's like three times as big yeah. as everyone else, like, overseeing everything. Just looming over. And there's, like, a text bubble that says, I'm bad. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh. I was going to say something before this. Oh, yeah, the bathroom scene. Um, Yeah, I did not see the poster. And when he goes into the bathroom and he hops up on on yeah. the top, I was seriously confused. Like, I did not know what he was doing. And I don't know. I think that throughout the film, there's a lot of these kind of very ambiguous moments. Um. That, I don't know. There's a lot of ambiguous moments that are immediately, uh, uh, like where you're kind of unsure and it causes some kind of anxiety about what's going to happen next. And then the second whatever they're actually pursuing starts, it uh, contextualizes all of it really nicely and like and changes how you see all of it in a way that makes I don't know. I found really engaging. It's great that it's on the bathroom floor. Well, I kind of, I didn't really pick, sorry to, kind of different, not exactly a response, but I am interested. I didn't pick up on this and now I want to read what else we're talking about, the song lyrics of the opera guy. Yeah. No, it's literally, he's saying about how he's stranded in the wilderness. He has all these weird. Why then, why then do I shun the paths that other travelers take? You're going to, you're going to have to. And seek out hidden pathways. Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> Why don't you just look up so the <laughs> through snowbound rocky heights? Why don't I what? Never mind. I, I think it's, it's from it's I think it's a Schubert Winterreise uh piece. The the main line thing is coming up here. The, <laughs> the main line. Every line is the main line in this movie. Did, did, yeah, Shut yeah, up. all lines are equally. <laughs> That's important. right. They're all heckin' valid. Yeah, yeah. They're all heckin' heckin' Holy cow, is he just holding this note forever? And no. yet and yet I've done nothing. And yet I've done nothing. 
To make me flee my fellow man. <laughs> Where's the where are the titles? Come on. It's because he's, he's finishing German, he's German, German. German. What is this foolish longing that drives me into the wilderness? That's the line. That's the line. That's, that's what the line. I that really stood out to me. That really stood out to me. That's the that's line. That's what I was referencing. <laughs> yeah. Now that that's the line. <laughs> I didn't you know, when I heard that, I didn't think it shit <laughs> Dude. yeah i thought to myself why yeah. are they translating this this clearly means nothing yeah i just wanted to pick up the page um i can we sorry go ahead i was just gonna kind of drop it in a meme point but you know <laughs> i uh i thought it meant something but it, i turned out to maybe not mean as much as i thought it meant but she refers to her mom in the informal like french conjugation She's like, si tu play, instead of si vous play. And like, usually when you're referring to like authority figures, you use vous, but she uses tu with her mom. Mm. And I thought that kind of might have meant something, but I didn't really follow that line of thought for the rest of the movie to see who she yeah, respects. It and also whatever. could be like, because like, it could also be like contextual as well, because like tu and vous, like, I don't know, like you could say like vous, like to like the McDonald's, like, drive-thru person just because it's like it's not like a casual relationship and it's, i don't know I'm, I'm not sure if that's a good line to be um pulling I mean, on if we, yeah, if yeah. French, when french she, speaks when, french by the way when, unironically when he interacts with her and he says wow you really are the piano teacher and then she says c'est la vie i thought that was <laughs> i thought that was heavy-handed you know all right well i tried wasn't, i said that i said that my investigation <laughs> didn't bring any dividends Right, but I thought about it. Okay, so obviously she doesn't respect her mom. So whatever. Bro, I love this. I love this movie. It really made you think. When he when he when he rapes her and he says, "I've always wanted to make love to a piano to the piano teacher," and she says, "C'est la vie." C'est la vie. C'est la vie. And the mom comes in and says, "Bon appetit." Oh, you Bro. know what? Watching this, someone actually says bon appetit, and I remember thinking, yeah, they actually do say that. It's not just a meme. Like, it's not just, you know? It's not just some, like, American adopted. Right? Is that this movie, or is it a different one? I've watched a couple of French I don't. Movies, I, I don't remember anybody uh, saying bon appetit, but okay. I don't someone, know if I watched said, French No, the, the oh, hostess, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the, the hostess says bon appetit when she opens up the, uh, the uh, buffet, I think. That might have been when it happened. But anyway. What buffet? The buffet at the, at the, at the recital, at the yeah. initial private recital. Uh, yeah, she's just like, I have uh, nice food for you guys. Bon appetit, maybe. She says bon appetit. That, scene, that, that, that whole scene was so comfy. Yeah, like, yeah. Obviously, no, things nice. had not escalated to true like terror or anything like that. So it was just like... It was just awesome to imagine being yeah. in that room watching the recital. Yeah, so I was so jealous. So true. I was thinking the whole time, I want this. For yeah, dude, same. Dude, when I watched that, when I watched that scene, I stood up straight. Like, or I like arched, <laughs> I straightened my back. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that just seems like the goal is to have like world class piano players come and play, and uh, yeah, and it's, be ultra rich. Just be super rich. Yeah, bourgeois culture is dead. All the kids, they just listen to pop and rock, but you're a true master. Yeah, you're going to have Lady Gaga come and perform at your house? And, I yeah, don't yeah. think so. <laughs> no, no, and then and there's something like, in the academics, they just study the 2D the trumpets of Bruckner. Bruckner. Yeah, yeah just they, just, they, like, stomp, they stamp their feet to Bruckner's trumpets. 
What is it? She just goes chat on his ass. It's, she's it's like, something else he says. She's like, clearly you don't it's, understand it's, it or something. Listen, I have the yeah, entire yeah. transcript oh, yeah. memorized. I liked this okay? too. I liked I liked when this guy when she's like this guy's got a fetish for instruments. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought it was funny. Just like people, it just a nice little. I, nice little I thought that that was gonna like go into some sort of like, other relationship and i thought there's gonna be some sort of duality between like the mother and that guy and i'm so glad that <laughs> just, no offense no offense I, like, i'm look look i'm you, turns out it was like, just the duality of i just thought it was gonna happen like yeah. no offense to me obviously i just you know no offense to me but <laughs> so anyway the conjugation they use in this <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just suddenly, like, I don't actually speak French. Like, I only kind of do, but, like, I'm going to analyze this whole thing yeah, through. Yeah. I, took, I took three years of French. I think I'm an authority Ooh, on this, okay? I think I know, like, yeah. Um, okay, can we talk about the mother, um, the daughter, her... Should we should we kissing? talk about that and then do ratings? Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. Call yeah, because, yeah, cause, okay, here's the thing. With her coming on to her mom... Yeah, I didn't know. I don't remember who said it before, but I didn't know if it was some kind of final desperate act of like wanting something. And, and well, it might be a combination of both. Yeah, wanting some kind of like erotic connection and either that or it was something that was like the underlying cause of of her I mean, it being a piece of her trauma or something that is like causing yeah, her so to have like something all these i think something stuff. to consider right, about that scene is something that happens right before she actually does the act is she is the mother says like well you know at your age you know you could do what you want so like to some degree like that's uh the mother releasing her perhaps you know and i think that's important to consider i guess i, I don't really know what to make of this scene exactly it well, struck me originally as very... Oh, Sorry, you go. The mother is very much a part of the fantasy. So, um, to Brody's point, it's like, if the mother is telling her, you you can do what you want, she's kind of fighting back at that because she can't go on if, if that's the case. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 That's a good one. Yeah, like, because the whole, the whole fantasy is born out of some kind of, like like a like an f you to her mom in in some ways like like having her being against what she's wanting to do kinky mommy and so yeah what did she <laughs> I mean, say it originally strikes me down. as confusion but i think you're right like she's just trying to aim her sexual energies well no, also it's preceded by the mom being super annoying i remember yeah. being like shut up because yeah. she she gets in bed clearly well her mom doesn't get you know what just transpired but uh yeah the mom's just being like super annoying like and she's even says like the exact line or she says something about like all these sacrifices and this is what i get or something like this yeah but i i it originally struck me as some kind of just like she's like so pent up and she's just directing her energy at like anything related to the fantasy i don't know yeah and there's like, definitely like a like like satisfying kind of aspect to Electra. it too right yeah i think what everyone said was correct and also there's just this constant interplay between like uh pleasure and pain or something yeah uh, so like there's there's like a there's a disgusting aspect of trying to get with your mom 
but then that, that also just feeds more into her into her pleasure. Um, but bad. I think it's not that gross. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think the thing about, you know, her mom being kind of center to her desires and maybe having a hand in, in developing them and, and her just kind of blindly directing her sexual energy, those are all, I think, I think I'd agree on what you guys I saw your pubic hair. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 What is that? Um, uh, all right. All right. Zoom that's a line from the movie, by the way, listeners. <laughs> yeah, for listeners, yeah, for the listeners out there. Yeah, if you're still listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Are you we're talking about the graduation. I'm definitely sending this to my mom, so you guys all should too. Yeah, yeah this is a movie my mom's not allowed to watch. Don't want. Oh my god! Don't want her getting any ideas. Oh god! Can you imagine watching this movie with like your whole family or something? <laughs> This is one of those movies that would just really be impossible. It, I think I couldn't. Yeah. Like, usually when they talk about, like, oh, when the sex scene hits and you're sitting on the couch with your parents, you know? Yeah, it gets, yeah. Yeah, like, usually I feel like that's a meme because I've seen movies that are, like, inappropriate like that and it's basically fine. But this would be something where it actually is that. I, oh, you but must like, not the, watch the, movies in my household. Huh? <laughs> my dad, whenever there's a sex scene, goes, oh, what are you having us watch? so is there any last points about this scene in particular i liked it okay (laughs) ratings yeah yeah Yeah, okay hold on yeah all right ratings and justifications we've got troy are you keeping a spreadsheet yeah, I'm keeping track. I need to, uh, I'm going to put them in the description. I forgot to do it for the first one. So I'm going to put the scores in the first description, and then I'm going to put these in this description. So, Brody, I'm going to keep the order here. Brody, you're up. Um, I'm going to give it a 4.2, maybe 4.3. Um, 4 I'm going to I'm going on the Troy track here for making it sort of like a highly recommend slash must watch category um and I think that's all I really have to say about it oh. just a great movie all right um Steven uh I think I will I will rate this at a 4.25 Okay. Um, great movie. I think there's so much more to be said than we actually said, uh, but only in, in the sense that this movie can be used to educate people on like the nature of desire and fantasy itself, you know? Um, but which I feel like totally incapable of understanding or like articulating. And so I'm excited to watch it again uh, and I think it certainly has that ability like that to compel one to watch it again and again. The piano teacher teacher? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone needs to teach me about this beauty. Uh, Jolly? Uh, I was going to give it 4.2, but after talking, I think I might raise it to a 4.3. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, Whoa. Don't get carried uh, away. Uh, go on. You know, maybe, f- yeah. Um... I don't, know, I don't want to like just summarize what everyone says, but uh, I like how the film explores this layer underneath uh, 
strivings towards this proper world or something. Um, I like that a lot. Yeah. John? Um, yeah, probably like a 4.3, 4.4, something like that. Um, Which one? 4.4. All right, all right. Um, and I think, <laughs> yeah, put something like that in the number on the Excel sheet. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think um, akin to what Steven said, I mean, clearly there's like so many dense layers to the film. And I think like the mark of uh, especially like a great film or, or one mark of it is that like you can have these uh, piling um, meta layers on top of the narrative as it continues on and you can see them happening and flowing and working together, but you never leave uh you never disengage from like the one-to-one like immediate emotional happening of the film and i don't know yeah i'll definitely be re-watching this a lot and uh i thought it was amazing definitely a must watch i swear i'm not giving it the score i actually gave it the score when i originally watched it but i'm also giving it a 4.4 uh yeah sort of what john was saying but just when you know, you know. <laughs> searing, searing hot performances. Yeah, Incredibly, she, yeah. she was so good. She, yeah, I yeah, mean, she, so oh she, she won Best Actress, and the other guy won Best Actor at at Con. Oh, that's crazy. It also it won Best Film at Con as well. Um, yeah, searing hot performances, <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, just such good characters, so rich. You don't feel like you just feel like you're getting to see something rather than like. The person showing it to you is like doing a bunch of stuff you know in terms of like storytelling and this is just sort of along the lines of the manipulation conversation like you feel very much like someone is kind of just show- i don't know <laughs> <laughs> searing hot what Se- yeah searing hot super intense <laughs> of course i like it because you know there's a particularly bad thing that happens and uh you know i just thought it was just very uh very good i also look forward to re this one's gonna stick around this one's got got some staying power definitely gonna stick around (laughs) stickier than the tissues oh yeah (laughs) it's sticky also can we do we do we have time elsmore oh yeah elsmore my bad wait oh yeah i was following oh we gotta inject elsmore somewhere in here all right right. sorry because i i was looking at the previous list for order elsmore Yep. Um, I'm I'm gonna stray a little bit. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm gonna give it a four point seven five. Holy shit. Um, the world's greatest film. Hey, I, think, hey. I I think it was a good exploration of, of fantasy and desire, of course. Uh, it was very gripping. I liked the characters. I liked sort of all the all the little tie ins and uh and just how everything is uh consistent and it paints a, a nice a nice picture um you know music as sexual desire music sexual desire uh <laughs> 50 shades of gray in reverse french austrian style <laughs> um but yeah i really enjoyed it i think i'm also going to be rewatching. and did you have something to say about Hank Genki's Redemption. Oh yeah, no. So yeah, this is the for me already, <laughs> already having seen a 
Paninkini, uh film. Uh, I, I view this as the preemption of Hanukkah uh, in my eye. This is uh, this movie was not evil, and I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> this right. this movie Did wasn't it? evil. Right. So, yeah. it's a speaking so, so speaking. Yeah, do we have time? I'd like to speaking of evil, talk about the the next movie we watch, and if okay. we if we are. What do you guys think about watching another Hanukkah film, particularly the evil, quote-unquote evil one referenced by Elsmore, The Seventh Continent? Because we talked about it later. We said we'd see how we feel. I'm down to do it. Uh, what do you guys think? I'm, I'm down. It? I'm down to watch yeah. it and contrast it with, uh, you know, the thing we talked about today. Yeah. Steven, does that sound Same. good? All right, okay. cool. So, so now I can go pee. Now you can go pee non-sexually. Unload. Right. Oh, come, Seventh come, come, continent. You can't just next that. week. All right, guys, that's the show. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Check out Dollar Shave Club promo code. <laughs> <laughs> promo code piss on my face. I like Dude, I, promo yeah. code cinematographological. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, spell it. I just sounded like out. This episode is nearly as long as the movie itself. <laughs> Probably oh, longer. Yeah. Honestly, we're coming up oh, exactly to ours. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Get your Raycons today. Get your Raycons. My pillow. Can I stop recording? <laughs>